Today's reading comes from the Acts of the Apostles. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So, when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same day, you have seen him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Anna. So if you can keep your Bibles open to uh, Acts 1, that would be great. Well, uh, Happy New Year to all of you. It's great to have all of you here with us and, and back, um, uh, have you back uh, uh, from your holidays. Um, many things, uh, many terrible things happened in 2014. Uh, but as we look at what happened in this church, uh, in Shatin Church, uh, there are a lot to give thanks uh, for. We didn't grow in attendance by that much, but we have grown. And uh, in, in terms of our financial giving, uh, we didn't, it wasn't spectacular growth, but it has grown so that uh, we don't have to worry about paying our bills on time and things, uh, but we can start planning for the future and making changes uh, for the future. There are many things that we lack, but we're on the right track, I think, on many, on most things. And um, I give great praise and thanks uh, to God for the things that he has been doing in this church. But... It's because I think uh, we're on the right track. Uh, because things are okay, I think it's also a dangerous time for us. It's easy to get complacent. It's easy to get settled into our routines and, and not expect God to do the things that God does. So as we begin this year, I thought that we might study a church that is in transition uh, in the book of Acts, the early church. Because Book of Acts is a perfect antidote 
to a lowered expectation because it opens our eyes to the great things that he has done in the past. So as we think about the future and what we're going to do in the future, we don't shape our future by what we think is possible, what we think is the reality around us, but what, what, what will shape our future uh, based on what God has done and what God can do, the possibilities that God has opened up uh, for the future. So we are going to, in the next uh, 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 a couple of months, go through Book of Acts together. Uh, but as we come to Acts and to this text, let's pray that God will be at work in us. Let's pray. Lord, we give you great thanks once again that you are God who is alive. We thank you that you are, um, that the, the gospel is bearing fruit all over the world, that you are active, living and active, changing people's lives. And Lord, we pray that you will open our eyes up to who you are and what you have done and what you are doing even now and what you will do in the future that we are, our, our lives, our present, will be shaped by the vision of who you are, that we will be lost in what you are doing and not get lost in the smallness of our life, Lord. Open our eyes up to the great things that you have done as we come to this text. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, most of you know that Book of Acts is uh, the second volume of uh, the two-part series by Dr. Luke. Um, take a look at how Luke starts Book of Acts. He writes, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen. Of course, the former book that he's talking about is his gospel, the gospel of Luke. He wrote there about Jesus' life, his suffering and his rising again and his ascension and his teachings on the kingdom of God. But if you think about it, it's an interesting way of putting that, isn't it? To say, all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Why not write, oh, I wrote all that Jesus did, all that Jesus taught in the past tense. And this book, Book of Acts, is called Acts. But whose acts are they? Well, the classic answer is that these are the acts of the apostles, in one sense, that's right, because Book of Acts record the acts of Peter and James and John and, and Paul, the acts of the apostles and what God uh, uh, does through these apostles. But Luke wants us to know from the very beginning, by writing it in this way, that the work that Jesus began to do and to teach, that the apostles are not the main character of Book of Acts. Jesus is continuing his work. It's his acts, aren't they? And he does them through the power of the Holy Spirit, in the power of the Holy Spirit. After all, uh, Jesus makes it clear that his ministry is not over. That In fact, that he, will, he will continue his ministry through the Holy Spirit. And he says at the very beginning, at the very end of uh, book of Act, uh, book, uh, book of Luke, uh, Gospel of Luke, he tells, he tells the apostles to wait until the Holy Spirit comes because he will be, they will be empowered through the Holy Spirit. And Luke recaps that teaching in the beginning of book of Acts. He writes in verse 4, Do not leave, Jesus says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my, my Father has promised. For John baptizes, uh, baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's the acts of the apostles, but only because Jesus would send his Spirit, the Holy Spirit, 
uh, to them, who would enable them to continue the work that Jesus started. So it's Jesus' acts. Perhaps a better title for this is Continuing Acts of Jesus Christ through the apostles in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's probably not catchy enough, so it's Acts. But it's continuing acts of Jesus Christ through the apostles in the power of the Holy Spirit. And Luke takes pains to draw a parallel between what Jesus did in Book of Acts and Book of Luke um, and what the apostles will do in the Book of Acts. Just think about how Jesus' ministry began. When did Jesus' public ministry begin? Does anybody know? Shout out the answer. Paul. But he was 32, great, yes. But when did his public ministry begin? When he, yeah, after his baptism. What happens at his baptism that's so special? The Holy Spirit comes. Luke records that the Holy Spirit comes in the form of a dove, that they could see the Spirit descending upon Jesus. And it's as if the Spirit directs Jesus' ministry, right? Because if you turn, if you have your Bible uh, open, if you can turn to Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, verse 1, this is what Luke records um, about Jesus and when he was, uh, when, when, when the Spirit descended upon him. Chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from, uh, from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert. Jesus is described as being full of the Holy Spirit. He's led by the Spirit to go into the desert. And this will happen again and again in in Jesus' ministry. He's described as full of the Spirit. He's led by the Spirit. In the same chapter, in verse 14, we're told that he returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes on Jesus, and Jesus starts his ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit. And you see, that's what Luke is trying to tell us. Well, that's, that's what happens in the apostles' ministry. Just as the, uh, uh, Jesus uh, was fueled um, in his ministry through the Holy Spirit, that we, the, 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 the church, the apostles, will be empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is why Jesus says, wait until I will send you the Holy Spirit, and you will be able to continue Uh, my ministry. When the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive power, Jesus promises. Why is this uh, important? Why is this important? Well, I don't know uh, if you suffer from low expectations when it comes to ministry and what God is doing in your life. What do you expect to happen in your life in this coming year? When you open up the Bible, Do you expect to be amazed by what God has done and what God is doing? When you sit down to pray, do you expect to hear from God and to talk to God? When you come to worship on Sundays, do you expect your eyes to be open so you can see God a bit more clearly and to be in the presence of God? When you open your mouth to talk to somebody about Jesus, do you expect them to be given a new life? I guess what I'm asking for is, do you expect Jesus to be alive and at work in your life? Or do you think it's just you and me here in this church, in your life? 
I must confess that I actually do suffer from low expectations in many uh, points in my life. I prepare my sermon carefully so that I, I may only speak the truth of God's word. But sometimes I'm just happy that no one's falling asleep. And if there are people who are falling asleep, if you can nudge them on the side. Um, I meet people to pray for them. But sometimes I'm not surprised if I don't see God at work in their life. But here's the thing. Jesus suffered. He died. He rose again. He sits on the heavenly throne. He's directing the ministry. He sent the Holy Spirit to us. There is power here because Christ has sent his spirit to all of us. He continues the work that he has started through us. He is here with us. And we should raise our expectations because he is at work. He is continuing his ministry. Whenever we open the Bible, we should expect to see God clearly through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. When we pray, we should expect to be God, uh, to, for God to be at work in people's lives, in the people that we pray for. When we tell others about Christ and what he has done for us, we should expect to that life, uh, we should expect to see that life be turned around, turned upside down and inside out because that's what Christ does. Christ gives new life. When we preach the gospel, we shouldn't expect little inspirations. We should expect a revolution in people's lives. We should expect transformations. We should expect Christ to continue his work. He is alive. He is sitting on the throne directing this ministry. He has sent his power to all of us. We should raise our expectation because we have the spirit of Christ. But if you're thinking about what's he doing, I think this uh, uh, text also gives us a little bit of an insight of what he's doing, what his work actually is. Because we have to be careful because from the very beginning, we can misunderstand what God is doing. We can misunderstand what that kingdom is about. Because even from this very chapter one, we see misunderstandings of what a uh, kingdom of God is all about. Over dinner, Jesus sits uh, down with his disciples and he just tell, he told them about the gift of the Holy Spirit. But the disciples in verse six asked this question. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? The great reformer John, uh, John Calvin um, writes this about uh, uh, this question. He's, he writes, there are as many errors in the question as words. There are as many errors in the question as words. Everything about this question is wrong, he says. Disciples misunderstand what kingdom of God is all about. Did you notice um, that disciples asked about the kingdom of Israel? But in Jesus, in verse 3, he talked about, he taught about the kingdom of God, not kingdom of Israel. See, God's kingdom isn't just about the Israelites. Um, it's one of the themes in the Gospel of Luke, isn't it? Um, uh, to say that king, uh, the, 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 the salvation isn't just for the Jews. It is for the entire world. This good news should be shared with everyone around the world. Gospel is everyone. Remember that, that, that story that Jesus tells about the master and the banquet. He sa- the master says, go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. Luke fourteen twenty three. In the book of Acts, Christ's apostles are literally sent to all parts of the world, um, the, to the roads and country lanes to make God's uh, uh, room, uh, th- this, this party full. Just take a look at what the Holy Spirit will do 
in chapter 1, verse 8, in, in Acts 1, 8. It won't be contained. The gospel won't be contained in the nation of Israel. It will explode. He says, when you, uh, when you, will, receive a po- you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, and you will be my witnesses from Jerusalem to Judea and to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It will go out to the ends of the earth. The disciples will go, as we will see in book of Acts, to the far-flung corners of the earth so that everyone might come to know Jesus Christ. There's no place for nationalism. There's no place for sexism, tribalism, status consciousness in the kingdom of God because Christ's salvation is given for everyone. We need to understand that. It's not parochial, but it is international. It is for everyone. And secondly, their misunderstanding, uh, their verb the, that they use to ask this question, will you restore the kingdom of Israel? Restore. Um, once again, they betray their misunderstanding by using this word because they think that the work that Jesus is doing is political when it's actually spiritual. Christ didn't come to restore the Davidic kingdom. That's what they're expecting. He will not rule by coercion. He will not uh, establish a territorial territory called Israel. That's not what he will do. His kingdom will be spiritual and it will transcend geography. He, through the Holy Spirit, will empower people to come to know Jesus and live under his ruling. It's not primarily political, but it's spiritual. Now, this, I want to... Uh, Give a little a parenthetical remark here. This, of course, doesn't mean that Christianity has nothing to say about politics. Some people want Christianity to be a, a private affair, things that you keep to yourself. It's just between you and God, they say. That's not what I mean. When we reject, for example, money as ultimate power, when we reject, uh, uh, for example, nationalism as the ultimate power, you know, people want, to, people want to say, I'm Chinese. That's like, that's, that comes before that, the, their identity as Christian. Or whatever it is, when we reject these idols as king and accept Christ as our king, it, it inevitably has political implications. When we, uh, but uh, our aim, our aim isn't to set up God's kingdom, political kingdom here on earth. It shouldn't be. We're not here to bring Hong Kong a, a Christian nation or America as a Christian nation. That's not our goal. Because from every corner of the earth, from all over the world, people will worship Jesus. Kingdom of God here now in between, in, in the in-between time is a spiritual kingdom. People will obey Christ no matter where they live, no matter their political affiliations, no matter their, whatever it is, people will obey Christ. It's a spiritual kingdom. Thirdly, the misunderstanding um, that the disciples um, uh, uh, come with this question is believing that the kingdom should be established instantly. They say, Lord, at this time, at this time, will you restore the kingdom of Israel? Well, they're not all wrong. They're not completely wrong in uh, this question, I think, because Jesus does teach that the kingdom of God will come instantly at a blink of an eye, but not at this time. This is what he tells them in verse 7. It's not for you to know the time or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. 
What he's saying is that time will come. When the kingdom of God come, will come instantly. When Jesus comes back, the whole world will be transformed instantly. We will be transformed instantly. But it's not yet that time. Meanwhile, meanwhile, in the time of in-between, the kingdom of God will expand gradually. When the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive power. And you will go from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. It will be gradual. It will come slowly. It will come for sure, but it, is, it will be gradual. So not political, but spiritual. Not parochial, but international. But not, not instant, um, but, uh, uh, but gradual. And we do need to understand these things in order for us to participate in the kingdom work in the right way, don't we? Because it's his work, what he is doing, not what we are doing. So, uh, are we seeking, for, for example, um, to build an international church? We have a unique opportunity in Hong Kong. We do have a unique opportunity to build an international church. Are we recognizing the differences here? Are we, rec- are we valuing each other? Are we entering into each other's cultures? Because it's difficult to enter into a different culture, to get to know uh, people from other cultures. And not only that, in this church, are are we aware of the fact that we are a member of the international community, that God is working throughout the world, that we are conscious of what's happening in church in Syria, church in Iraq, the churches around the world? Are we supporting in prayer, in finances, uh, through our finances, the work that God is doing all around the world? We're not building a parochial community here. We're not build, trying to build a, a, a church in Shatin. We are, we are part of God's work all around the world. Are we part of that? Are we seeking to build a political kingdom here? Or are we seeking to build a, 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 a kingdom that, is, that transcends uh, pol- uh, politics? And how about the pace of our engagement in the kingdom work? Are we often frustrated? I am often frustrated because I want God to work instantly. I want God to do things right now. Uh, In the next month, I want God to do his work instantly. But do we have the right perspective? Are we participating, participating in his kingdom work? That is happening, surely, slowly but surely happening all around the world. Do we understand the nature of his mission in this world? Um, But we often forget. um, But as we think about the work that God is doing, we also often get overwhelmed by the amount of work that has to be done. There is so much work um, to do. As we think about what's happening in Hong Kong, around the world, the relief work that needs to be done, the culture, um, cultural things that's happening that we need to stand firm against and voice our opinions and all those things, um, the, the, the number of lost uh, around the world and, and our part in it, we can often get overwhelmed by, what, uh, by the amount of work that, uh, that, um, that, that is there. So um, Christ promises power through the Holy Spirit. But once again, it's not just power for us to do all the work. We need to get this clear, what this power actually is. He says that 
when we receive this power, we will be his witnesses. And I think this is very important. I preached about this last week, and I think it's worth repeating some of the same thing again. It's power to become his witnesses. We need to understand that we are not going to be the world's saviors. We're not there to do all the work ourselves because that would put too much on our shoulders. We are not saviors. We are witnesses to his work. We are a people who point to Christ and say that I can't do all of this, but Christ can. He is our savior. We become people who point um, uh, to Christ as our savior. The essence of Christianity is not what we have done, is not what we are doing even now, not what, not what we will do in the future. That's humanism, to put people at the center of the work. We cannot be our savior. We cannot be the, 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 at the center of the universe. Christ is at the center of the universe. The essence of Christianity is about what Jesus has done. That God came down as a man, lived and died for us as perfect sacrifice for us so that we might have the righteousness and eternal life. It is about uh, what he is doing in the midst of us, the gospel that is bearing fruit all over the world, that how he is living in us and transforming us now. Revolution that he is bringing to the world now and that he will bring to the future. We are his witnesses. Through his power, we will become his witnesses. Now, how this actually works out, what our role is and what God's role is, I think that is actually a complicated question. Um, so let me just uh, tell you a story. Instead of parsing this out in detail, let me tell you a story uh, that Tim Keller tells in order to illustrate what, 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 this, uh, what our role, what God's uh, role might be. In 1859, there was a major revival in Northern Ireland. In that revival, a great number of prostitutes became Christians. And surprised by the number, a newspaper sent out a reporter to interview one of the prostitutes. uh, He said, why are all these girls coming to church? She said, well, sir, there are two problems. One is that because of the revival, our business is down. And so there aren't enough work to do. Secondly, for the first time in our lives, people on the streets are treating us with kindness and respect, she said. You see, what has happened is that Christians, people who were religious before, before, became Christians. And Christians then became witnesses of Christ. Because before, religious people, religious people point to themselves. They point to their goodness. They say, you need to become more like me. You need to be good like me. You need to be righteous like me. You need to do things like me. But when Christians become Christians, we don't become more religious. We, we, we become people who point to God, to his goodness, to, to, to his righteousness. Right? Religious people cannot relate to prostitutes because they're, they're self-righteous. Because they're filled with contempt for people who are not like them. But these people who, who were converted started treating these prostitutes with kindness and respect because they're not pointing to themselves. They're pointing to God. They're pointing to Christ. They're saying that, I, I am a sinner like you, but there is a Savior who has come. He is the Savior. You need to go to Him. 
they came to know that evangelism is, uh, as uh, William Booth once said, one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. When the Holy Spirit comes, we become his witnesses. We become people who point to the works of Christ. And that's how we participate in God's work all over the world. So do we believe this? Do we believe that Christ is alive? That he is at work around the world and in our church? That he is doing this gradually, slowly but surely, through the power of the Holy Spirit? And are we then pointing people to Christ through our, with our words, with our actions, that there is a Savior, that there is a new world that is coming, that there is a king who has come. Let's pray that, we, that 2015, that we will be that church. Let's pray. Lord, we confess that we are sinners in so many ways, but in a way that we have been faithless. Lord, we confess our lack of faith. Lord, turn our eyes into the great work that you have done in the past. Help us to realize that you are God who is alive and active all around the world. Lord, help us to raise our expectations. Help us to go to you in prayer. Help us to see you in scripture. Help us to discern what you are doing all around us and we may be a part of it. Help us to hope on the future and the, 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 the hope of the resurrection, that we may live for the right things now. And as, as our eyes are cleared, as our minds being transformed, help us to be your witness. Help us to, uh, help us to be pointers um, to, the, to the world that needs uh, you desperately, that there is a Savior, that there is a King. Empower us through Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.